Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by The Candle Company, LLC, one of the best and most clean candles you can find. Using a proprietary paraffin blend wax, premium oils made from scratch with the most natural fragrances, specifically formulated for people with allergies and asthma. Make sure you check them out on Candles Company, LLC, and use the code LITTLEBIT10 for 10% off. Hey guys, and welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life podcast with Little. We have an amazing series that's coming up on this podcast, and we're calling it Diagnosis versus Defeat. And we have amazing guests that are coming on here within the next few episodes. And I wanted to present my next guest today. She is incredible, amazing. You guys may have seen her pop in and out of TikTok, and she has such an incredible story to share. So please welcome Haley. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Kind of what is it like in the day-to-day with you? Um, I'm from Arizona and basically native. Um, I've lived here my whole life. And, um, you know, typical me, I love to be outdoors. Um, Any chance I would get, I'd spend outside, whether it's hiking, biking, uh, running marathons, all of that. Um, that's basically been a huge part of my life. Um, until I had my daughter and she's a little seven year old mischievous little one. Um, but so now (laughs) she's basically my whole life and everything I do is for her. And so, um, that's a little bit of background. Um, yeah. So I kind of just, you know, day to day. Um, I, um, I went to school for a long time. Originally I wanted to be a nurse. So I was in nursing school for a while. And then I switched to education cause I just felt like that was what I needed to become, um, in my life was a teacher. So I decided to go into education and, um, the last, um, we moved out. Well, my husband and I and my daughter, we moved up to Prescott, Arizona about four years ago, um, just for a better quality of life for me and my health. So moved up, started working um, for a charter school up here and have taught there for the last four years until this last year. I un- unfortunately had to step away from my career for health reasons, um, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. And so um, now I'm just, you know, kind of gearing around trying to figure out what to do with my life through my diagnosis and also um, what is going to be best for me. So um, it's been it's been crazy. But, you know, I, you know, I jumped on the TikTok train of, you know, meeting people and sharing my story and just kind of being full blown um, straightforward about it just because I feel like it would be helpful for other people to learn, um, a little bit about me. Um, because, you know, very much like a lot of autoimmune, um, diseases and everything, you know, you don't see it all the time. And a lot of that Mm -hmm. illness is within. And if I'm not physically 
disabled at the time, no one knows. So it was a huge hit, you know, going back, um, back in time from when I was first diagnosed for people to look at me and be like, what's going on, you know? And so um, I definitely loved having the platform as far as being able to talk to people, meet people, you know, just be positive about it just because, you know, life's hard. And especially when you get something so tragic that changes your life, um, to be able to talk about it gracefully or not gracefully, it, it can be a big deal. Um, so I'm always here to share my story and be able to help people who may be kind of going through the same thing. So when you asked me if I wanted to kind of, you know, come on your podcast and talk about it, I was <laughs> like, hands down, let's do this. So um, I'm ready for it. So uh, speaking with your diagnosis with MS, I feel like MS was always almost a if you are diagnosed with it, don't talk about it. Don't share your struggles. It's such a negative form of a diagnosis. And I feel like we've come so far, even in just the past few years, there's many celebrities that are coming out and stating that they're struggling with this autoimmune. They're struggling with the day to day. Um, a lot of people are familiar. Selma Blair came out with a documentary last year. Um, incredible. If people and listeners have not watched it yet, um, I think I've watched it maybe probably a hundred times, not afraid to admit that. And she's <laughs> she's so vulnerable and she's so transparent with this diagnosis of what it looks like for her. And I think it's so frustrating for so many. Jack Osborne, he was diagnosed only at 26 years old. And so I think, and Christine Applegate's coming out. So I think it's more of, it's becoming more socially acceptable to talk about a diagnosis. And just because you go through... Mm -hmm all the tests and all the doctor's appointments and the struggles and the, you know, the determination to get an answer for yourself, just because you receive a diagnosis and an answer for what's going on within your body, that's not the end of the journey. And that's not the end of the struggle. But um, so kind of tell us about um, what kind of symptoms did you have and kind of the process of finding the diagnosis first? Yeah, of course. So um, back in January, 2006, 17. Um, I had some facial numbness that was a little weird to me. Um, the kind of numbness that it was, was kind of like if you're on Novocaine, um, coming home from the dentist's office, you know, your lip feels if you've gotten a fill or something like that. Um, so I noticed some facial numbness on the left side, um, that I kind of just was like, you know, that's weird, but you know, just kind of continued on with my you know, day to day. And um, over the course of like a week and a half, it just progressively got worse um, to the point where my whole left side of my face was numb and I couldn't feel it. Um, so that raised concern for me to where I'm like, hey, I need to go to the doctor and get this, you know, checked out. Um, to me at that time, I'm like, do I have a pinched nerve in my neck? Some, whatever it is, my doctor will figure it out. So I had gone to the doctor and he had um, looked it over and he's like, let's get you ahead. Let's get you ahead MRI and just make sure that, you know, everything's okay. So he ordered me an MRI. I had gone two days later. I got my MRI. They said, your doctor will be back with you within two to five business days, typical, you know, wording. And I said, all right. And so I went home. I probably was home for a solid 45 minutes and my doctor's 
my doctor was calling me. So I'm like, this is strange. I answer the phone and my doctor says, I wanted to call you because the radiologist had just called me and I needed to let you know that we got your results. And um, the good news is we know, you know, what it is. The bad news is it's multiple sclerosis. And that was something that I was hoping wasn't going to be a case because, of course, you know, when something happens to you, everyone gets on Google and is like, what is going on with me? Like, and you think of the worst things Mm -hmm. possible. And of course, those words coming out of his mouth, I was shaken. I was like, are you sure? And so he said, I will be in touch with you to set you up with a neurologist and we'll go from there. So of course, I get off the phone. I'm trembling. I call my husband. He turns around, comes home from work. And it just was like in that moment, my whole like world kind of just flashed before me that this is like not right. Um, Going forward Mm -hmm. to the neurologist's office, they explained to me that the reason why the call came so quick was because they basically told me that my MRI scan of my brain lit up like a Christmas tree. They said there's just so much lesions and activity that we knew without a shadow of a doubt you have multiple sclerosis and it's very aggressive. So we need to get you on a medication to help slow the progression of this disease so you can hopefully, you know, get some facial like feeling back and whatnot. So I was like, you know, everything just happened so quick and I'm just thinking, what, like, how? Because I, you know... I I was always the type of person that would maybe get the common cold like once a year. And that's all that happened to me. So going from something like that to some big diagnosis like this, it was, it was, it definitely stopped me in my tracks. So, you know, they started Mm -hmm. a huge, massive steroid treatment right away, which that's, um, they, a nurse came to my home, hooked me up to an IV. And she said, for the next five days, you're going to put a thousand milliliters of steroids into your body to help hopefully this facial numbness from pro- progressing to fur- like further in your body. So I'm thinking, okay, like this is life now, you know, I, I, all right. So I was still in shock at this point. So I just didn't really know, you know, how to understand what was to come going forward just because, you know, when I was diagnosed um, five and a half years ago, I was only 25 years old. So, um, and my daughter wasn't even two years old yet. So it was definitely, it was definitely something that I was not prepared for, which, you know, a lot of the times who can prepare for something like that? So, um, we started on a little treatment, Mm -hmm. the medications they have for MS, just because for those who don't know, it is, there is no cure. So all of these medications they have for multiple sclerosis is basically just to help slow the progression of the disease and also give be able, hopefully give you a better quality of life while living with it. So um, mine, my case was at such an aggressive case that they put me on like the top tier medication. So basically you have injectables, you have oral pills, you have um, infusions, all this stuff. So they started me on a, um, a pretty aggressive oral treatment that I was taking twice a day. Um, it didn't hit me that my MS was that bad until a month after my diagnosis. I was playing in the yard with my daughter and I just fell to the ground. And um, 
my husband had come out in the yard and I'm crying and he's like, what's wrong? I said, I can't feel my legs. And he goes, what do you mean you can't feel your legs? I said, I cannot move or feel my legs. So what had happened was I was completely paralyzed from the waist down. And that's when I knew that this, this is, this is actually real. This is, this is something that I wasn't expecting to kind of progress as quickly as it was. Um, so of course I get rushed to the Mayo Clinic. My doctor says, you know, they're going to treat you there. I lived in that Mayo Clinic for almost a month in rehab. Um, they basically had to do all these tests. They had to make sure my, my mobility and, um, hopefully like my sense of feeling would come back. It took a like three and a half weeks um, of physical therapy and everything just to kind of get the motion back. Um, They said, it's so unpredictable. They said, we, you can, they're like, you can be in a wheelchair from any time between days, weeks, months, years, forever. We don't know because of how unpredictable, unpredictable multiple sclerosis is. And that's when I was you know, why me, you know, all that starts setting in of here's me. I just completed a marathon and now I'm in a wheelchair. How do, how do I present myself into this world of what people have always known me as to now I can be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. Um, and so that's kind of where it, it kind of started the big, this is the new life of, Haley and her MS, basically. Um, So that was a huge deal. Um, I didn't let that stop me from pushing through because I told them that I was not leaving that hospital in the wheelchair. I was going to walk out of there. And they said, that's, you know, that's a great, you know, mindset to have. And I said, yeah, you don't understand. Like, I am not going to be in a wheelchair, like maybe down the road, but not right now. I said, I have this child that I want to be able to run after and have her play with her mommy and not be in a wheelchair. So, um, yep, I did four hours of physical therapy a day. I did two hours of occupational therapy. And um, by right before that four-week mark of living in that hospital, I carried my daughter out of there in my arms. So it was... It was definitely one of those things um, that I was really happy about. But of course, being back home, you know, the post-traumatic, the post-traumatic stress kind of kicked in. I woke up every morning touching my legs, like, are they going to work today? Um, I had a lot of depression and anxiety that sat in. So I was definitely one of those that I wanted the world to see me being a strong person, but I didn't let them know that on the inside I was struggling. And that took me a solid probably year and a half to actually um, basically relieve that um, emotion from myself. And um, that's when I started doing other things. I took a spiritual leap of faith. I I got into the church more. Um, I ended up converting um, to Christianity and I leaned on God and I, I, really prayed that taking that spiritual journey would also help me with my struggle of being diagnosed and going forward and being able to handle the days that I don't do so well. And so that's definitely, um, that's kind of a nutshell of like the, 
the most tragic part of being diagnosed and one of the most (laughs) painful and heartbreaking things that happened to me in the beginning. Um, And then kind of everything from there kind of just has its ups and downs as far as what more has happened to me with my illness. But um, yeah, that's, that's basically the beginning of it. So now I just, in February, I just crossed over my five years since my diagnosis. And um, I've just kind of been taking the blows as they come. (laughs) I did an interview with um, another person that is near and dear to my heart, and she has a diagnosis. Um, for a medical condition. And she had her son at the time and he was very young when she got her diagnosis. And she said the same thing, almost this depressive state of, I'm not depressed for myself. I am depressed with the fact that I'm not who I used to be and I'm not able to help my husband and I'm putting pressure and almost this, you know, I'm here, but now you have to take care of me along with our son. So did you kind of feel that um, almost sense of, guilt or anger of you had this diagnosis and you, you know, where do I fit now? And now what am I supposed to do for my family? Oh, absolutely. I mean, any, anything that happens like that, you, you start to have that feeling of, am I a burden to my family? Am I now, am I now the person who's going to be needing to be cared for along with your child? And, you know, you don't ever think of those things because you think as a parent, my only thing that I need to worry about is providing for this innocent little child that they need to be able to grow into this world. And if you're not able to give all of yourself into that and the other, your partner has to do most of that, you start feeling depressed because, you know, especially if, if, if you're a mom, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than having that ability taken from you just a little bit of not being able to be full on mom mode. And, um, that was definitely hard for me because I didn't want, um, that to be the case, but, um, there's statistics that say 80% of men leave their spouse after this type of diagnosis. And knowing that statistical fact, I was like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? And I was very fortunate that I had, you know, Nick, he is such a, he's just, he's such a strong person in the sense that he wanted to provide that stability still for me to know he's not going anywhere. He said, I want to, he goes, I want to be a rock. I'm not going to be a part of that statistic. And we're in this together. He, he, he always talked it as this is what we're going through. Even though you're physically going through the hard stuff, this is for us and we're going to get through it. And he always put that we part of we in the words. And it just, it, it helped me to know that, okay, I, I can take that off the table of thinking that my spouse is going to leave me and I'm just going to basically be the single parent who's handicapped essentially. And, um, Mm -hmm. it was very, it's very uplifting. And, you know, a lot, a lot of that too, like I said, was, you know, the whole God aspect of it. Um, and, you know, using that, but through both of us and our marriage and in our household to really stick through, you know, this is God's plan and this is what's going to happen. And he, there was nights where he would tell me, you know, 
I wish I could take this from you, but I know that you're strong enough to handle this and I'm strong enough to be the person that you need to lean on through this. And that's why it works. And it, and he was right because I was able to get through, you know, the hard parts in the beginning, but I said, I don't think I would have been able to do it by myself. And that's the part Mm -hmm. that was very helpful. And so, um, you know, since then it's just been, you know, kind of like a deal we have, like, you know, if I have a bad day, he's, you know, he's there. He's, you know, there was times where he was picking me up because I couldn't walk and he's literally carrying me into the bathroom so I can use the bathroom or um, helping me in the bath or, you know, just, you know, bringing me food and everything that you would hope is, is right is what happen, And I mean, the testament of, you know, vows, it just, it was a true testament of through better for worse and sickness and in health. And that's exactly what he did and continues to do. And um, I just, I, I couldn't ask, you know, for a better partner in that. And it's, it's truly been a blessing to um, have someone alongside me to kind of go through this journey and um, not feel so alone. Um, I mean, sometimes I may feel alone in my own head, but that's common. We do that, whether mm-hmm. whether you're in a tough situation or not, but that's our own battles that we get through. But it's definitely been um, a big support for sure. Um, I know, you know, back when my little one was so small, he would drive with her back and forth to the Mayo Clinic, spend time with me in the morning, go home for nap time, come back in the evening. And it was just a back and forth thing. And we just made it work. Um, and it definitely helped me push through a lot of this stuff. So I definitely feel like with your family and a huge support system is the greatest thing that you can have. And, you know, never be afraid to ask for help or to, you know, feel like you're being a burden because those people are going to show up and they're going to be there for you because they want to, they want to be there for you. They want to help you. And you have to get through that whole pride battle that we all have and say, Mm -hmm. let them help you because it's going to take less stress off of you. You're going to feel better. And that's what they're here for. Um, so that's, that's definitely been a battle I had, but once I accepted that, it, it made things a lot easier. So for any listeners that may be struggling with MS or any form of a diagnosis um, as of this moment, what would you give advice as a mom? How do you explain this to your child when you're having good days and then you may have bad days? Um, does she understand that? Or how do you go about having that kind of conversation with your child? Yeah. So she's, you know, she's been around it for so long that she's She's seen, you know, the hospital stays and the doctor's appointments and, you know, daddy carrying mommy or having to help me a little bit more um, alongside her. And, you know, it's it's kind of great for her to see those things earlier on because then she can kind of see that nurturing and um, empathy part of, you know, caring for someone and seeing how it helps. Um she understands it a little bit more now. So usually um, the best thing that you can do as a parent is just, you know, talk with them, just communicate with them and just say, you know, this is what mommy or, or even if you're a daddy, like mommy or daddy has. And, you know, we have our bad days, we have our good days. And so 
Um, we're going to have, you know, the most fun time and I'm always going to be here, but there's days that, you know, I might need to sleep a little bit more or I might not be feeling too good. And I'm sorry about that, but I definitely want to, you know, have you here with me because, you know, I love you and you're a big help to me. And so when you kind of give that little encouraging, you know, like advice, like telling them, oh, you get to be, you know, my little helper or my little nurse or doctor, they get all into it and they want to be able to be there because if for the most part, they don't see so many of those bad days, when you do have those bad days, they're going to want to be there for you and they're going to want to help. Of course, you know, if you have a daughter like mine, she gets her days of, well, why, why is daddy taking care of you so much? He needs to take care of me too. You know, there's that, <laughs> there, you know, there's that aspect, but then, you know, she kind of comes full circle and remembers, Hey, you're not doing so well because you're MS. So she knows that term and she knows, okay, mommy's having an MS day. That's what we call it. Mommy's having an MS day. So I'm going to do this or she'll come and color with me do something, something that's a little bit less strenuous, you know, she'll, or she'll, you know, she'll want to make me things like a get well card or she'll color me pictures. And, you know, it's when you can teach them, you know, how to be so empathetic at such a young age, it really helps on those days of them understanding and knowing you don't always have the bad days, but when you do, I want to be here for you and I want you to know that I love you and, you know, they want to, they want to be there to help you as much as they can. Um, Mm -hmm. So you just have to try to keep that positive aspect for your children, no matter what pain you're in or where your mindset is or how tired you are, you just have to keep proving to them, mommy's going to get through this. And you know, whether it's a day or a couple days, however long, you know, the flare up lasts, your, your goal is to get better so you can show up for them in the way that you truly want to. And giving them that kind of encouragement, letting them know I'm fighting through this and it's for you. It, it really shows that part of strength within yourself so they can keep looking at you as, you know, their hero and the strong one, even when you're going through the days where you might not feel so strong and you might not feel the best. You just have to kind of try to keep that mindset for them because they're going to still learn from you by doing that. And you just, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay it's okay to have those days and show that little bit of weakness because it's showing your children that we are human. We're human and we have these ups and downs and we're not perfect. And, you know, there are such thing as people who get sick and um, you just talk with them and it really, it really helps them understand a lot more if you just communicate and, you know, you are able to be as open and straightforward with them as possible. Um, so, so they get a better idea of, you know, what they can expect the next time you have a down day. Mm -hmm. 
And being that you grew up and you're native to Arizona, we're able to literally walk outside of our front door and go for a hike or be outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not right now with our summer hitting very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So with this diagnosis, how has that kind of created a new sense of normal for you? Um, Are you still able to be active a little bit less, a little bit more? Are you finding new activities or new things to kind of keep you busy moving forward? Yeah. So like I said before, um, I lived in the Phoenix area my whole life. So being as outdoorsy as I always have been, I would be the crazy person in 117 degrees in Arizona hiking Camelback Mountain. Um, (laughs) And that was just, that was normal for me. Uh, So that was, you know, that was what I enjoyed doing. But then once I was diagnosed, they say, you know, excessive heat can cause a flare up and cause you to have some MS symptoms. And having that little piece taken away from me was like, what am I going to do then? You know, Um, because, you know, I, I'm like, well, what, how do you expect me to hike? I don't like to hike when it's freezing outside. I like to, I like when it's as hot as can be. So um, having to, you know, step back from that and not kind of go full out as much as, um, I always did was really hard. So um, thankfully, you know, us making the decision to, you know, move 100 miles north and where I'm sitting at 72 degrees right now, I'm still in the same state, but just moving that little bit north provides that little bit of cooler temperatures so I can still enjoy those things and not basically cripple myself in the aftermath of doing what I love to do. Um, So I still do hike. I don't hike to the extreme because I've learned over the years that me kind of um, trying to do those things has had horrific aftermath effects um, where then, you know, yeah, I enjoyed that hike and I pushed it too far, but then I'm laid up in bed for three days. So Mm -hmm. having to kind of balance that out and say, Hey, you can still do this. You just need to pace yourself and do it in smaller increments and you can still live that same lifestyle. You just have to be patient about it and you got to be smart about it. Um, So kind of being up here and having a little bit more of you know, experiencing all of the seasons rather than just hot, hot and hot has been really mm-hmm. nice. Um, but then of course the winter, I'm, I'm that type of person that, you know, because my nerve endings have been destroyed with my MS to where if it's cold, it feels extra cold. If it's hot, it feels extra hot for me. So it's kind of like that balance of temperatures that I've had to get used to the last four years, but it's truly been really good to still, you know, be active, but I just had to change it in my own way that fits for me. So instead of, you know, mountain biking and, you know, hundred degree weather, I may, I might just do an hour on my, you know, Peloton rather than being outside. I'm still, you know, biking and, but I'm doing it in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of what I've been able to kind of change as far as what is my new norm. And Mm -hmm. once you get past that and you still can feel good about it, um, you're, you have to look at that, that aspect of, yes, this isn't what I would prefer doing, but I'm able to do it and I'm still breathing and I'm still here. So I'll take that any day. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you, it, like I said, it's a fight with yourself, but 
you once you get past that little speed bump or mountain, which however high it is, um, you got to make it work for yourself. And mm-hmm. that's that's taken me longer than anything. But um, you'll be, you know, you'll be more proud of doing that than a constant battle of, you know, that was what I love to do, but this is what I'm doing now. Um, I started getting into painting because it was very therapeutic for me. And it was something I would be able to do without overstressing um, and not, you know, overdoing something. And I really enjoyed it. And I didn't really realize how good I could be at it until I started doing it um, in my kitchen. And I just bought all these canvas um, canvases and acrylic paints and different size uh, brushes. And I realized, you know what, this can be something I can do that just, you know, keeps me busy. It's calming and it's fun. Um, you know, even something that's not as aggressive of what I would prefer doing, but it's still doing something. So that's kind of something I've traded up doing instead of something so strenuously active and um now I enjoy painting so (laughs) that's been that's that's been something that I've kind of learned um over the last year of kind of what do I do with my time especially having to step away from my career this year with my new treatment that I'm on um I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to be a quote-unquote stay-at-home mom uh, because I'm just used to going, going, going. And I realized that wasn't helping me. And I had to really take a step back mm-hmm. at realizing, you know what, like that job is replaceable. And as much as I love it, you you can always be replaced with that. But being here and giving as much of my time and energy to my child was something that I was told would be a bigger benefit than, you know, basically killing myself working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. And, um, Mm -hmm. and they were right. And again, put my pride aside. And now, you know, I do everything for her. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's truly been um, the best decision that I was able to do. So medically, um, since there is no cure for MS, what does your treatment, and everyone's different, but for you, what is your new treatment? Like now we heard about in the beginning how they were trying to get this to not progress as quickly. Um, So what's your treatment like Mm -hmm. now? What are you kind of going through, trying, failing at, learning kind of what may work for some, may not work for others? So what's your treatment plan right now? Uh, So uh, when I first started, I was on a medication called Tecfidera, which was a capsule I had to take twice a day. Um, And so at that point, because of how progressive things were moving, my doctors were having me do MRI scans every six months. Um, And every time I would get an MRI, it would show new activity. So with them not knowing, you know, is this working or not working, they're thinking, okay, up until this last year, they're think, thinking maybe we need to try a new treatment because you keep having activity show up on your scans. So last summer, they finally convinced me, "Hey, we're gonna we think we really advise you try this new treatment. It's an infusion that you'll come down to the Mayo Clinic, and you only have to do it every six months, so you won't have to worry about a daily dose of medications." 
So I was all over that, but I was still nervous about side effects because when they tell you certain side effects of medications, of course you get fearful of that side effect happening to you and what are you going to do? Um, so that's what kind of always turned me away from switching my medications. But finally I was saying, okay, I'm going to trust it. You know what you're doing. I'm just five, you know, I'm just like, I'm five years into this. I trust you. You know what you're going to do for me. So they switched me to an infusion called, um, Ocrevus. And what happens is it's basically they, um, they set you up with an IV They have to add some steroids into it, but the IV is like a slow drip that can take anywhere between two to four hours. Um, And you basically sit there for that time and they give you your IV and they continually monitor you to make sure your heart rate's okay because one of the side effects was your heart rate can stop. And I'm like, I do not want to deal with that. So um, I just did my third treatment. a week ago. And, um, it's been great. Um, so far, I think, because after having two doses, um, last year, I had my yearly scans back in February and my neurologist called me and said that this is the first MRI scan since your diagnosis that your scans came back stable. And I said, wait, I said, wait, what? He goes, you still have activity, but there's no new lesions that have shown on your scans like they have in prior scans. And so I was very happy because I think a mix of the new meds, but also the amount of stress that has been taken off of me of not working this last school year has been very beneficial in the sense of, of I'm, you know... I'm not running on little sleep. I'm um, able to take a nap if I have to. I'm able to really focus on my full-on health. And so I think that a mixture of those both have helped. So it was very exciting to hear that. Um, and I just keep praying that when I have my next scans in, you know, next February, that it'll kind of show similar results and we'll see if that that my decision to switch medications has been a good thing. So um, I've heard really good things from other people who have actually switched to the same treatment and they've had um, great results as far as um, no, no huge side effects. Um, The only side effects that I um, have really focused in on with this new treatment is I feel like, I'm more tired, which anyone who struggles with MS, the fatigue aspect is huge. And the best way I can describe it is if you're a new mom and you have this newborn baby and you're like running out of sleep and you have no sleep, I just multiply that by 10. And that's like the fatigue aspect of MS. And in my opinion, if I could have any symptoms taken away, it would be the fatigue aspect because there's nothing worse than feeling tired all the time. You can only, mm-hmm. you can only drink so much coffee before it's unhealthy. There's only so many times you feel like you can nap without feeling like you just wasted your whole day away. And so um, that's ultimately the biggest struggle is the tired aspect. But um, I just tell people, hey, if you're mobile and you're able to move, 
try not to sit for too long because that's when your fatigue will sit in and you'll realize I'm really tired. (laughs) So just kind of keep moving little bits at a time. Take a little walk in your house if you have to and kind of push through it a little bit more. Um, cause that's, that's the killer. I swear the, the tiredness, um, for sure. But yeah, this treatment I think is going well. Um, it's brutal for, you know, the first couple days I feel really, you know, kind of out of it. Um, because the mix of those drugs and, you know, what they give you is like, you basically just feel like you've had one too many drinks. <laughs> and so Um, you, you kind of feel like, okay, I just had a, I just went on a bender for one day. The next day you're like, I feel kind of hungover. I'm going to sleep it off. And then, you know, by day three or four, you start feeling normal again, but, um, Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Cause if this, you know, if this treatment's going to help, um, then let's just go full send. Let's just do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think even hearing you talk about, you're always finding a the positive in every situation. And I think that's very Mm -hmm. important. Um, That's why we're doing this so-called series and it's diagnosis versus defeat. And I think a lot of people, when they get a diagnosis for anything, it's always almost this, my body failed me, my mind failed me, and this is now what I have to deal with. I have to put up with this. And I think with the medical community, there's only so far uh, that they're able to really say it like that. I'm walking out of here. Well, that's a great goal, but you almost always feel this sense of, do they really think I can do this? And you know, your body over anyone, Mm -hmm. especially in the medical field. So if we have a listener that maybe was just diagnosed with this, what would your advice be in this moment of that, that phone call, that moment of this is now what I have for the rest of my life. What would your advice be to them? (sighs) It's, you know, that's hard part because, you know, there's so many emotions that arise with something like that. Um, And if I can, if I can be on the outside for somebody or even tell, you know, my own self, you know, five years ago, um, I would say, you got this and and you can do it. And you can push through this. And that's truly, you know, that's, that's the mindset that you, you need to have because, you know, changing your whole mindset from that negative to that positive mindset is huge. I mean, it's a huge reason why I never went to go sit in MS meetings because I did not want to sit in a meeting of people crying and basically having that story of why me? Why is this happening to me? And I wanted to be in a group of people that can be like, yes, we have MS, but we're going to get through this. And that's like more of what I wanted and what I needed. And if you can have those types of groups that are kind of more uplifting than, you know, these sad, you know, stories, it it's so much more uplifting. And mm-hmm. when you actually feel how much better your body feels when you, when you, keep that positive aspect, it does tremendous things for your health. Um, Seeing the difference, you know, like you said with Selma, you know, seeing somebody be such a huge activist in the community of, you know, having such trauma, but pushing through and, you know, still being a light for other people, it truly helps your body so much. 
Um, it releases all those endorphins that you need because, you know, our bodies are amazing things. Our bodies can do incredible things that surprise doctors. So if you can just not settle for the defeated aspect and know, you know what, this is something that I have. I can't take that away, but if I can push through and get through those hardships throughout this, you know, scary journey, then you're going to come out on top still because you're going to be able to handle those difficult days a lot better and you're not going to let them consume you and basically keep you down to where your, you know, your rough days can end up being longer. So the goal should always be, I'm going to have a bad day. I understand it. This is what my body needs, but I'm going to push through this because I know that tomorrow I can be better or I can be better the next day. And that's all you can do. You just got to nourish your body. You got to get the rest you need. You got to really listen to what your body's telling you and, you know, keep pushing through it. Um, And I know it's a scary thing and you never know what's to come. But instead of thinking, oh, tomorrow's going to be a bad day too. If you can reverse it just a little bit and think, you know what? I might be better tomorrow instead of, oh, this is going to last forever or this is horrible. You can be surprised at just a little change in your mindset, how much better off you'll be. And, um, and you, can, you can still live a happier and peaceful and healthy life with MS you just have these, you know, days where it's going to be a little rougher, but you can still be happy and it, and, you know, the person you want to be in your life. They say you can still do what you've always done. You just have to change it up a little bit. And if you can get to that extent of understanding that, it'll benefit you greatly. Yep. Well, I thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, being so vulnerable. I will put all of your information, how to get a hold of you or reach you in a DM in the bio of the podcast. So if you are listening to this, um, you are going through this, or even you might have a family member and maybe you are a partner and you're not sure how to support your partner, or what direction to go, or maybe what they need. Um, definitely you can reach out to her anytime and we are keeping our fingers crossed and I will be following up with you and following your journey. And hopefully this treatment works um, and it keeps the progression lowered. And again, thank you for being vulnerable and coming on and sharing your story because it's definitely going to help at least one person, which I feel that's what we're placed here to do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciated it. And I really, I really hope that anybody who, you know, takes the time to listen to this, um, truly is able to take it with a sense of grace and know that you're not alone. And thank you so much, Tabitha. I I really enjoyed this and um, I'd love to do it again anytime. So you know where to find me. Yes. We'll have to have you back on in a couple of months so we can follow your journey and see how this new treatment's going for you. And we're going to follow you all along the way. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, 
Stay blessed.